0: to Free Speech Radio. Today we have a special guest uh with us. We have Neon Revolt, longtime Gabber, first time caller. How are you doing today, Neon?
1: Hey Andrew, thanks for having me on today.
0: Thanks for being here. So I I want to start, I always like asking gabbers one of the first things is uh how did you first hear about Gab and uh what made you stick around?
1: Well you know I I actually uh I had an account when you guys first made the site and uh, when I decided to launch up my neon revolt brand, I I came here largely, I want to say it was in early 2017 due to social media censorship because I I had supported, you know, what you guys had done from the beginning with, you know, I I saw it happening to uh, people like Milo and uh, whatnot. So I wanted to make sure there was a site online that was helping to preserve free speech online. Um, and then I suddenly found myself, <laughs> you know, deplatformed from uh, mainstream sites and uh, in need of what Gab was providing. So I, I just went all in on Gab and uh, the rest is really history.
0: Yeah, I think you you joined up in February of, of 2017, which is pretty early in the game. So, you know, guys like us saw this stuff happening uh, mainly to ourselves, right? Like we mm-hmm. were we were experiencing the censorship directly ourselves. And I think we fundamentally understood where this was going and and just how big it was gonna get. So, you know, flash forward, Gab was launched in 2016 in private beta, you joined in early 2017 in February, um, you know, having this vision to say, okay, I know where this is going now. And flash forward to, to 2020, here we are today, where Facebook is now fact checking uh, the president in real time. Twitter is fact-checking the president in real time. They're preventing people from engaging with the president of the United States' his tweets. And this is stuff that you know. I kind of expected was we were going to get to this point, but I didn't think that we would get to this point so quickly. So I, I guess we could talk about that. There's a lot of uh, different things going on this week where things are starting to accelerate. So we have Facebook mulling over this kill switch for political ads to prevent Trump from contesting the election results. So basically what they're doing is they're, they're having meetings every day from articles that I'm reading, um, talking about, you know, what happens post election? What happens if we don't have a result the night of the election? What happens if we don't have a result for weeks? Um, and, and the president starts talking about things like voter fraud, which of course is going to happen, especially with this mail-in voting stuff. So, you know, what do you see for happening? Do you think that they're going to ban him, you know, right before the election or or right after the election if we don't have results right away? Or what are you thinking on that front as as we start to see some of these articles come out about them planning for this scenario?
1: It wouldn't shock me at all if they went ahead and banned him. I I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they have the guts, frankly. But we have to see. I know. Again. All these people march in lockstep with each other, and they're definitely trying to seed the narrative of you know election illegitimacy uh, on the front of Trump. And it's it's sort of a multi pronged effort. It's it's really to cause as much chaos and confusion for as long as they can until they can basically present themselves as uh, you know the rational ones in the room, you know, on on a national level. And I. <laughs> The, the thing is, what can Trump do in response? There's actually a lot he can do in response um, to, to any kind of censorship. It's really what do they think they can get away with. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to ban him at a critical juncture just in order to silence his side of the uh, argument. Um, I don't think we can put anything past
0: these people. Yeah, you're absolutely correct i mean we see them acting in in lockstep Uh, i've I've said this a lot they're different companies on paper they may all have different uh you know corporate entities but they very much act as a single unit so you know we see the uh the frontline doctors video for example where you know youtube twitter and facebook all unanimously you know scrub that video from the internet we see Mm -hmm. the same thing with the the interview uh with trump on fox news talking about the um, you know, basically you know, near immunity of, of young children to, to COVID, and that was totally scrubbed from the internet. So we definitely do see them acting in lockstep. And I, I, there was this, uh, this um, study from from Pew, the Pew Research Center, that showed that most Americans think social media sites censor political viewpoints. So 90% of Republicans say it's likely that social media sites censor political viewpoints, which is an uptick from around 85%, I think it was, when they took this survey in, uh, in 2019 or 2018. So you know, if this many people are aware or at least have a hunch of what is going on, um, and, and now we see that it's gotten to the point where it's, it's, you know, silencing the president of the United States of America, it doesn't get much higher than that. So, you know, what is the tipping point that is going to wake people up to stop using these products and to stop making money for these people who want to silence them and have all these anti American values? So that's my big question and that's that's a question that i've really been asking myself for the past four years is like what is it going to take for people to kind of wake up and 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 say enough is enough i'm not going to use these platforms anymore i'm either going to seek out other platforms like gab or i'm going to stop using these platforms in general just on principle so what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah i, I think the pain point has to be greater than the dopamine hit they get from it, using any of these kind of services because i mean what did we see this past week we saw on netflix that rollout of cuties that basically pedophilic you know at least the advertising was i didn't watch the movie i netflix claims the movie really isn't i i don't know how little girls twerking can't be uh so but how many people in response canceled their netflix right what's the, what's the pain point what's the line for me you know I I wasn't given a choice, but I wanted to support free speech a long time ago, and that's what made me make the change because I saw what was happening. And I think it was just they got to keep ratcheting up the pain on people because you got to reach that tipping point for yourself at a certain point where you go, okay, no more.
0: Right. They I mean this isn't the first time that Netflix has, you know, basically more or less promoted pedophilia through right. programming, right? So I mean, how many times is it gonna be do we have to have, you know, it be any more blatantly obvious that they're supporting this this wickedness and this this evil uh you know uh way of thinking and, and this way of uh, viewing the world and of, of treating children. I mean, it, you know, they're now attacking the most innocent of of, of us, right? They're going mm-hmm. after our kids. So, at, at what point does it become enough for for families that are paying for Netflix? It's a, it's the same exact concept. I think the the dopamine hit is, is so strong; it really is like the new drug where yeah. they they have and and they've admitted this, right? We seen interviews with Sean Parker, one of the one of the early presidents of, of facebook one of the early i believe uh what was he He was a president of facebook early on um i guess he calls himself a co-founder or whatever um you know basically say like yeah we absolutely engineered this to be addictive and you know we, we designed this to get people hooked and it is basically like a drug and there's a couple of other studies that show that you know the dopamine hits are similar to the way that drugs react in the brain so you know what i i i, I try to compare it to to like the um the, the anti smoking campaign over the past, you know, two decades, right? So, what was it? The Truth campaign. Uh, you You would go to concerts and stuff, and you would see, you know, the tent, the orange tent. It was like Truth, the Truth campaign, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is it going to take for people to kind of wake up like they did with cigarettes, where you know we see this decline in people using cigarettes and smoking cigarettes? I guess that was kind of replaced by vaping a little bit, but um, you know, to we a certain still, extent uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we still saw a lot of people. You know, stop smoking cigarettes. It, it became kind of a cultural taboo. So, what does it take for you know that to happen with big tech platforms and with big tech technology and with things like Netflix that are you know promoting and uh, and indoctrinating kids and 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 people with this this wickedness?
1: Well, I think this may be somewhat of a controversial statement, but stick with me here. Um, you know, Gab. We can't we can't pretend that something like Gab is a completely dopamine free zone either at the same time you know we we want to encourage you know a good experience for the user on gab we don't want to make it painful we don't want to make it you know a pain to use and it's not and this is the thing too is gab has i I, i've seen it grow so much over the past three years but we have some of the smartest minds some of the most uh, incredible thinkers and when that content gets to the top it engages people and and It's actually, I think it's using that sort of dopamine reaction for good. Does that make sense?
0: Right. I I think one of the things that we have worked really, really hard on over the past four years is preventing, um, you know, bots and and bot engagements. Right. So I, I posted about this yesterday where if you go to Reddit, you'll see, um, you know, posts on Reddit that have 50,000 plus upvotes and like 200 comments, right? Well, that's clearly not authentic behavior. And you go on Twitter, and it's it's filled with botnets where you know they're they're automatically liking stuff, automatically following people, automatically uh, retweeting stuff, so that people get that dopamine hit. And I think uh, what Gabbers don't care about those vanity metrics as much as users of other platforms, and and that's why they have those botnets because they want people coming back. They want them to feel like you know, wow, there are fifty thousand people that that liked my post, even though. The vast majority of it is bots, right? And the, right. the, the normal person is not going to uh, you know, um, sort through 50,000 notifications and and look to see how many of them are real and how many of them are not. And in many cases, the bots are so sophisticated that you really, you can't even tell they look and, and feel like normal users, even though they're not. So that's one of the things that we've worked really hard on is, is making sure that, you know, we have real people um, you know, engaging with people and connecting with people and having real authentic conversations. So, um, and the, the other part of that, again, is that most Gabbers don't really care about the vanity metrics. They just want to speak their mind and they want to connect with other people who feel the same way that they do or, or will challenge their thinking or or lead them to grow in, in new and different ways. So that's one of the things that we've worked really hard on is is creating those authentic conversations and those authentic experiences. Um, and I think that's what sets us apart big time from, from some of the other platforms because those vanity metrics, they don't, they don't mean anything, right? It's if it's, if it's automated, if it's, if there's bots behind all of that engagement, well, that engagement is, is meaningless. If you're not getting any value out of it outside of the, the dopamine rush of the notifications, then what does it really even mean?
1: I I mean, nine times out of 10, the quote unquote influencers with all those vanity metrics are buying them themselves yes they're yes. going to portals on you know some weird website and they're saying okay give me you know uh, ten thousand clicks give me twenty thousand thirty thousand clicks for whatever it is that I don't know what the cost I've never bought <laughs> anything like that and you can pr- you know that for a fact um but uh, yeah the 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 drive for organic community and what you want that community to look like because ultimately you know when you spend your time online, you're spending your time with other people. You want to be engaged with people that ideally you like. You don't want to be fighting with people all day, or maybe maybe some people do. Maybe some people get kicks from <laughs> just going to battle online. Um, but I think people want to build, and they want to form relationships, and they want to uh, be in a community that shares their values. And ultimately, I think Gab presents a fantastic alternative to what some very evil... And uh, evil people who don't have our best interests at heart have created online.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like to say Gab keeps me sane. Right? <laughs> you you look at you look at the stuff that's on Twitter. You look at the stuff that's on Facebook. You look at the stuff that's on Reddit. And it just doesn't match the reality of you know my everyday life when I'm talking to people in the real world about what they think about politics or about what they think about what's going on in the world. It just it is not a reflection of reality because it's not. I, I mean, these companies do not exist, by the way, to make money. They really never have. I think Facebook maybe out of all of them is, is the only one that really always you know sought after a- after the profit, and they do that by you know selling your data to to the advertisers. Um, but you know, Reddit. I don't think has ever turned a profit. Uh, Twitter, I think, turned just started turning a profit after 10 years. Um, and that's only after they started really cracking down on speech so that they can sell more ads. But they, they have never really existed to make money. They exist to control the narrative and to, to influence and socially condition people's minds to make them think that, all of these people out there, there's, you know, hundreds of millions of people on Twitter that all believe the same thing. And you're an idiot, if you don't believe what they believe you're, you're the outcast, but it's just not reflective of reality. The silent majority in real life is very real. Um, we vastly outnumber the, uh, the people on Twitter uh, by a landslide in terms of of what our beliefs are in terms of what our values are. So I think um, it's important that people have that that bubble burst, um, that this, these places are just not reality. And, um, when they come to gab, I think it, it, helps ease their mind it's like wait a minute I'm not alone in this world there are other people who see what's going on and who think the way that I do and who believe in the same things that I believe in so I think if, if gab can serve as that place to give them a little bit of hope and a little bit of uh, a glimmer of, of a reflection of their waking reality because they're saying the same thing they're looking at Twitter they're looking at Facebook they're like I'm seeing all this stuff that's pushed down my throat all day long By these progressive these woke progressive corporations and media companies and it's just not reflective of what you know people are saying in my waking life and and in the real world so hopefully gab can can offer them that sense of community and connection that they're not going to get on facebook that they're not going to get on twitter or reddit or anywhere else because you know they're 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 uh, either shamed or they're censored or they're shut up or uh, they're attacked by the woke mob when they go to these other places
1: it's, it's the digital struggle session. That's really what uh, you, you find exists on places like Facebook and Twitter, where you feel outnumbered and you feel like you're in the minority for believing what your grandparents believed and functioning like a normal human being, you know, and, and that's not the reality. Like you said, the reality is the normal is the normal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can be heard, too. It's really it's a small minority insulated in a bubble Uh, shrieking at anyone who doesn't want to deny reality with them.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I see Facebook and and Zuckerberg kind of playing both sides of the spectrum here, where, you know, he gives this big grandiose speech last October supporting free speech, (laughs) but he's almost at this, this internal war with his own employees because, you know, the rank and file and a lot of the middle management and even some of the executives are you know very far left woke progressives whereas zuckerberg wants to try and maintain some sort of uh middle ground because he realizes how important conservatives are to the platform i mean conservatives dominate facebook most people don't know this but uh facebook for all intents and purposes is a, a right-wing platform in terms of what content dominates on the platform you know you see the top 10 most shared links are, are always uh, right-leaning or conservative-leaning links. So Zuckerberg understands probably better than anyone else the importance of keeping conservatives on the platform and preventing them from going to other platforms like Gab. So I think he's in this internal war where you know he's trying to appease Trump and trying to be friendly with the Trump administration and trying to you know signal about supporting free speech. But then everybody that is under him, his whole you know operation under him is undermining him. And, and you know, deciding who can say what and who can't and making these, these granular decisions about who's allowed on the platform and who isn't. So you know, we see that he uh, reportedly warned President Trump about the rise of Chinese tech firms. And he actually brought this up in his speech last October. You know, this is basically the Silicon Valley, you know, new virtue signal. It's it's us or it's China, right? They they don't present any other options. So you know, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what do you, what do you think ultimately is going to happen with Zuck? He still has full you know voting control and, and total control of the company, which is probably the smartest thing he he's ever done. Because unlike you know Jack Dorsey, for example, who I think has maybe two percent of the company, maybe two percent voting share, if that. Um, he really does not run that company. He's just the figurehead CEO. Um, the real people running that company are, are, are the board, of course. The reverse is true uh, with Zuckerberg, where he does have you know voting control and he does actually have majority control of the company. But he's you know he has this this internal war with his employees. So do you have any thoughts on on all of that that stuff?
1: You know, Zuckerberg's a weirdo. <laughs> he, uh <laughs> I, 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 I think, think, agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> he he. Um... If there's anything he's trying to do, I think it's he's trying to save his own hide at this moment. I don't think he has any, you know, particular. If he's trying to keep conservatives on the platform, it's for the purpose of um, controlling them and uh, making money off of them. It's not for letting their ideas propagate or, or uh, not in the sake, not 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 for the benefit of open discussion about any particular issue. He. <sighs> That guy, I know, I know too much about him. <laughs> that, that perhaps not in the mainstream. Um, people should look about, uh, look a, up where he was actually educated um, for his summer camps. It's a very strange project he was involved with. He is not the uh, oh, we just made this in a dorm success right. story. That is, you know, that's the myth. You know, that's that's the myth creation around him. That's not what happened. The um, he's a figurehead that was attached to a Pentagon project uh, called project life log. Right. And, right. Yeah. And so,
0: and then fa- you just, when they shut that down, Facebook launched, right. I think it was like, uh, that's amazing.
1: One. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah. Basically rebrand the entire code base and hand it to this kid and say, tell everyone that, Oh, he invented it in his dorm room.
0: American <laughs> success story. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 It just so happens that this is the kid you've been training at your summer camp for the past, however many years. Right. Um, the same summer camp that uh, one of the Google founders, I think it was Sergey Brin went to and several, yeah. you look at whoever goes to this camp. I, I know really graceful did an episode on it a while back um, that can sort of just give everybody the, uh, the um, just the, the notes of who, who all has been there, but, um, no, Zuckerberg, pff, I would not trust that guy at all. And he was one of the first to, uh, censor me, you know, I mean, as, and it was actually, you know, I started as just sort of a, a edgy right wing meme page, right? Uh, spending my days on poll fighting the meme war and, uh, copying the best content over making my own content, that sort of a thing. And it was as soon as I started covering Q, of as course,
0: soon
1: as, as soon as that started, bubbling to the surface, because I was actually one of the earliest guys to take that information from poll and present it to the public. Because uh, let's be honest, in, in, you know, 2015, 2016, you're talking, you know, me more days, the chans were not as well known as they are today. Right. And they, I would say a lot of people were very unfamiliar in how they worked. Um, you, you go to the, one of those pages, you're overwhelmed by the info. You don't exactly know how to follow things. It's a weird interface. It's not user-friendly. Um, you're, you're really only going there if you're, you know, <laughs> some kind of like edgy weirdo like me, <laughs> you know. Uh, me. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know how it is. Uh, yep, yep. Not and, very
0: user-friendly. Stuck in, stuck in 2007, most of the Chan interfaces.
1: Very much so. Very much so. And that's both its strength and its downfall, right? Right. Uh, it, it, it helps keep, you know, the normies out and it helps keep the culture the same because someone from the outside goes, I don't have any idea where to start with this. And they just say, I'm going back to Facebook
0: or (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Right, right, right. um,
1: But that, you know, created a, uh, I guess I'll call it a market for um, people like me who would pick the best, you know, stuff from the threads and harvest it and show it to the masses. Right. Yeah.
0: it. Yep. You
1: know, I was doing it in my spare time for fun and to, you know, help change you know hearts and minds that sort of right, a thing. Right. And again I mean the whole Q stuff got birthed out of uh poll and
0: let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um yeah. obviously the the Q stuff has been around since uh it was October of 2017 I believe yeah. it was. Um and the media has has covered it and has been critical of it for many years now. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're, what is it? 70, 80 days out from the election. Mm -hmm. uh, There's this massive purge of everything and anything Q right before the election. So what do you think caused that? Do you think, you know, the, the Corona lockdowns, cause I think a lot, of, a lot of growth. I've seen articles on that and studies on that where, you know, a lot more people are getting introduced to, to Q and, and, you know, doing the research and and learning things that maybe those in power don't want uh, a lot of people to, to learn about. So what do you think is the, the impetus behind this, this massive purge and, and, you know, you know, the president getting asked about Q at, at every press conference, uh, what are your thoughts on that situation? Well, I I think
1: uh, let's, let's backtrack a little bit just on the off chance that somebody doesn't listening to this, doesn't know who Q is. Q is the, the, the general idea behind it is that there is a high level military intelligence operative working within the Trump administration to create a back channel directly to the people and basically communicate with them what they can't communicate through other channels, be it because of what the media would do to it or, uh, just some of the implications of the information being let out uh, because it can be pretty explosive at times. But the idea is that there's a guy or or a team of people who go by the name of Q and they deliver intel to the people, right? And there's, there's a ton of evidence to actually support this assertion. We're not just, you know, believing some random guy on the internet. He's brought the goods time and time again that, you know, people can dig into that. I maybe I'll post a video uh, in the comments when this goes up uh, just to show people what Kind of stuff we've been seeing over the past three years that gives this credibility. But um, the idea, <clears throat> back to the censorship question, why we're seeing this now, uh, it's all about narrative control. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, and when you understand what the modern media is in America and what they do, you understand, you begin to understand how dangerous something like Q is. Because essentially, if you have this goes back to something called Project Mockingbird, where uh, the CIA basically cultivated all sorts of media personalities in strategic positions around the world in order to get them all on the same page and control the narrative about what was happening in the world. And this would let them effectively set public policy and function with relative impunity, right? And uh, if they had, you know, one of their politicians uh, in trouble, they could get media heat off of them if they had, uh, you know, a situation, geopolitical situation unfolding somewhere in the world that uh, was perhaps, you know, it needed some m- more support from the American people. They could get their media assets to, you know, speak highly about something. I guess, I guess, maybe the most recent example of that might be, you know, looking for WMDs in right. Iraq, you know, support for war in the Middle East, endless war in the Middle East. That doesn't help Americans. That helps right. moneyed interests at, you know, places like Halliburton and whatnot.
0: Um, and the media pushed that, like, you no, know, tomorrow. That was one of the biggest hoaxes of the, the, right. the 20th
1: century, right? Right. So th- this big push against Q, it's, it, it's really, it's vying for narrative control. How do we, and th- this is what you have to understand, is how are a lot of people controlled? They're controlled through blackmail. And right. we saw that we saw this with Epstein. Epstein was a blackmail operation. Right. Um, the guy has a strange temple and all these residences on his island, and he's filming people. There, are, you know, that's one of the big things with the Maxwell case right now is that there's supposedly all this blackmail out there. She's and got the goods, yeah. Right? She's got the goods. Where are the goods? How do we get the goods? That sort of a thing. Um. So, again, it, it all goes back to control and and something like Q, which at uh, he, he talks about an eventual great awakening where people will wake up to the truth of what's really going on. And in unison, basically demand action from the good people left in government led by uh, the Trump administration. And the, the it's, 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 when faced with something like Q, it's it's not even just loss of narrative control. It's exposing treason at the highest levels. So yeah. you're talking about people who are literally about to lose their lives, fighting for their lives, pulling out all the stops to try to control this because their lives are on the line. And when the full picture emerges to the American people and, and how they've seen how, you know, like take for instance, um, like an Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper uh, 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 works at CNN. Was trained at Langley. Is also a Vanderbilt, one of the wealthiest families in America. Why is this guy, who is an asset and a bloodline type guy, speaking the news to everyone, telling everybody ostensibly what the truth is day in and day out? Right, right, right. But the big uh, to get more back to your question about why now? I think this this is a little granular. But I think what was they were trying to do because there was an order of events that happened here, where they tried to question Trump before the before the big censorship broke out. They 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 asked him, um, you know, what do you think of this Q movement, which thinks you're you know um, trying to rescue uh, children from satanic cannibals? And he's like, well, was that supposed to be a bad thing? It was a great yeah. comeback. Yeah, right?
0: beautiful. Yep, beautiful.
1: Because it was. It, it, it sort of just broke the premises of the question, <laughs> right? Yep. But what I think they were trying to do was get him on the record as being in support of Q without having to actually explain what Q was, right? Right. So it and then becomes, here. It, huh.
0: And then just totally smear it which is what they ended up doing anyway what they're there doing right now you know even yeah. on fox we see we see them saying that q is a a, a far-right terrorist organization right. and violent and i'm just like you know i'm here and i've seen you guys post about q for years now i never really got into it but i have never ever seen anybody from the q side be anything violent or or radical or or anything extreme by any objective measure. So this is just the most absurd claim that I've seen from this latest media smear here. And it's what, you know, cause me to say, wait a minute, I I gotta learn more about this stuff and figure out what's going on here because if they're attacking it, then chances are it's something good, it's something important.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, the harder they push, the more it makes people curious and go, wait a second, maybe I should be paying attention to that because all these people do is lie to me and all they've done is lie to me for the past you know however many years.
0: It's the gap, it's the same thing. I mean, every time they would attack us, every time they do attack us, we just grow because it piques people's interest. Um, And then they come on a site and they're like, wait a minute, this is nothing like what the media said it was.
1: Right. Right, and that's that's what more people are finding out every day. But the one more thing I wanted to add was I think what they were trying or what they were hoping to do was set up is there was a bunch of Antifa types that were suddenly marching on the streets with QAnon slogans. And right. you could tell they were Antifa types. Like, none mm-hmm. of us knew who these people were. <laughs> we're like uh, – and, and you go on the timelines of some of these people that suddenly show up with, like, the where we go, one we go all slogans. Right. And they're, right. like, BLM so, like, and ACAB. Yeah, we were, so what I'm thinking, they were trying to tie Trump down, release a wave of propaganda, and then I think they were hoping for some kind of attack.
0: Right, some sort of violence or something.
1: Right, to try to get, you know, the normies be like, oh, Q, that's, that's violent. That's, wasn't that, that guy who did the, like they did with 8chan. Right. And like they did with Gab.
0: Right, exactly.
1: You know, I I don't know how much we can say along those lines, but it's the same tactic. We've seen it over and over again, so.
0: Right. uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we talk about this great awakening. Um, you know, I think we were hitting on this a little bit earlier without even really realizing it. Mm. Um, what What is it going to take? You know, we see the Epstein stuff, we see the Weinstein stuff. You know, I think that that was the biggest Normie meme of, of last year was was Epstein didn't kill himself, right? Mm. Uh, You know, if that doesn't do it, if we don't have this pedophile ring exposed with all these elites entangled in this, if that doesn't wake people up, and it's the same thing with the Netflix stuff. If they're promoting pedophilia, if that doesn't wake people up to say, wait a minute, this cultural stuff has gone too far. We've crossed a line as a culture, as a society. We need to turn back here. We need to take, you know, 10 steps back here. What, like, what is it going to take to wake people up? And I think maybe it has, right? Like we, I think we're going to see in this election when, you know, it's either going to be this, this massive landslide and we say, okay, this, this, this really was the great awakening where people, a lot of people did wake up and I'm starting to see this in my, my day-to-day life where people who, you know, you know, um, parents of friends that I grew up with that were never political, never talked politics, never really cared about politics are now vehemently pro-Trump. Are now all on board, are now, you know, have this sense of urgency. So, you know, maybe the great awakening is kind of happening, but, you know, it's just a silent one, right? Like pe- people are, are coming to this internal realization. Maybe they're not talking about it publicly and probably out of fear. Um, but, you know, if, if not now, like what is it going to take? What is going to be that tipping point that pushes people over the edge to say enough is enough? We got to stop this madness we got to take back our country we got to take back our culture we got to take back our, our media we got to get uh access to information that we can't get anywhere else i mean what, what is it going to take in your in your mind
1: well i think it's happening in stages and it's funny I, i've called him the world's slowest red pill but tim pool i think is actually a pretty good <laughs> bellwether for this because I, didn't he just come out the other day and say okay i'm voting trump he's like i'm done i'm i'm right. voting trump now because at a certain point, I don't think it's any one thing, but everybody has their line where they go, "Okay, now it's too much." Now, right. and and I think with every passing day, you know, we look at things like the um, what's happening with Corona. How many blue cities have been devastated by this particular these shutdowns, and especially a lot of them are being hit uh, on top of that by all these BLM and Antifa riots. Right. So it's like, really, this is what being blue gets us people are fleeing you know states like california and new york in record numbers
0: big time big time
1: and and you know we're seeing articles now like new york may never come back it may never recover which you know what I think that's kind of a good thing to have that right. sort of locus of power destroyed. At the same time, I don't want them to all spread out and turn red <laughs> states blue.
0: Right. That's what I was <laughs> just thinking is like they're all going to come to our rural areas now and, and destroy those too. That's not right? what you
1: want. Ugh, so, that would be the worst. But
0: Yes, yes, yes. Stay in the cities.
1: and <laughs> 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 the, like, the mess you guys <laughs> made. Exactly. <laughs> only, exactly. Only. Um But I, I, again, I think it's – we're we're not done yet. There's going to be more information coming out. And there's things that even Q himself has said that will come out at some point that we don't have yet. I I think the biggest one is probably a photo. This is what he said ages ago. There's a photo of Barack Obama holding uh, an AK 47 and he's pointing it at something. We don't, he didn't say what he, the subject was when he, when asked what Barack Obama was pointing this, AK-47 at all he responded with was red, white, and blue. Mm. So is that, is he pointing it at a flag? Is he pointing it at a a captive? It is the thing. A lot of people don't know about Obama is that he was uh, roommates with an arms dealer. One of the largest arms dealers uh, is, I'm sorry, I should, I should rephrase that. His roommate's father was one of the largest, biggest um, arms dealers in Pakistan and brought the AK-47 to Pakistan. It didn't exist in Pakistan before that. The guy's name was, um. Uh, Siddiqui that was his last name if I'm remembering correctly and this you you sometimes see uh, photos of Obama and his youth you know dressed up in the tunic and you know all all that gear that was from his trip to Karachi Pakistan way back when
0: well that's my question too is like we've seen photos like this yeah um and you know even just what was it last week we saw the Bill Clinton photo with one of the Epstein victims right like is 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 a photo enough is that is that going to be the tipping point is that, I mean, most people on our side at least, you know, understand Obama and you know what I mean? Like, so is this wake up people on the left that are, you know, in this, uh, this denial uh, about Obama being the second coming of Christ. That's basically how they treat him on the left. Right. Is that what that's going to be is like an awakening to those people or is that what you're thinking on that is?
1: I I'm, again, you got to also factor in what they're going to do too. So one of the things, I've been trying to, uh, to understand. This is this comes from a more recent Q drop, is that Q basically said that Biden and whoever his running mate would be now. Now we know it's Kamala Harris aren't the real ticket, Right. and that at a certain point it's going to switch over to. This is my reading of it. I could be wrong. Hi- a Hillary and Obama ticket,
0: <laughs> like Michelle or or, or Barack. Think, no, being... I'm
1: thinking Barack really because he could he could. The Even argument can be VP. made that he can legally run for VP.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um and 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 if you think about what they're doing with selecting Biden and how much of a stutter like come on how 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 often have you known the Democrats to choose a candidate that is like that physically op- y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like optics are everything with them. There's a reason that Biden is having, you know, all this mental fog and you know, right? It looks like he's the dementia patient up on stage.
0: It's isn't because it the it intention late, is to replace him. Isn't it too is late at this point? Like, Because how, how would they get Hillary and Obama on, on the ticket across all 50 states?
1: What could happen, and this is what I theorized, is that because all this dementia stuff, it could be the pretense for a medical issue right, with Biden. So if Biden has a stroke and suddenly can't physically run, they can. the Democratic Party can then vote on a new candidate. Right. And just totally you know we've Would been through
0: the election because i mean mm-hmm. like is there enough time at this point to to make that type of that's a big change yep. you know yep.
1: there actually is this can be done there was an article about it in uh the hill not right. too long ago um i can post that in the comments too but this this can theoretically be done and i think this is actually what they're going to do so and, and again it's amazing before biden actually became the candidate what was the talk of the town the talk of the town was burisma and ukraine and and now that kind of had to go away because if they talk about it, now you're attacking a political right. foe. So, right. so I think what they're trying to do is anticipate when the attacks are going to come from the Trump camp and how they can best, you know, counter them. And the shield of being a public, you know, a candidate is a huge shield,
0: right? Absolutely. So if
1: if stuff comes out about Hillary and Obama more and more, you know, along the lines of treason and what's the sentence for treason? It's the death sentence,
0: right? Right.
1: Um, yeah, so I—that's I, what I think is going to to happen, and I, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Sometimes, and this is the funkiness with Q. Sometimes Q will say something, and it's in order to prevent a course of, of action from happening. It's like, right. okay, we know what you're going to do, so now you're not going to do it.
0: Get people talking about this so that it doesn't happen. Basically, right, right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at about forty minutes here, so we wow. can wrap up. If if you want to say anything else, I don't want to keep you too long.
1: Oh, it's fine. I can talk as long as you need. Um, you know, I, I I I'll say this: Gab has probably become the single most important site for the QAnon movement itself. Next to next to Eight Coon, what was formerly Eight Chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the community here has grown by leaps and bounds, and we wouldn't have a home if it wasn't for uh, warriors of for free speech such as yourself <laughs> and everyone <laughs> at Gab working to working to build it seriously, because. How many of us have been deplatformed by Twitter and by Facebook and all these other sites just for thought crime? It's, right. you know, we're, not, we're talking about good-hearted patriots who support yep. their country, support their president, and want to see, you know, the worst of the worst go to jail. That's it.
0: That's, and, I mean and- that's what we're building for too. We're building for normal people just like you and me. yeah. I'm not never set out to build gab for for journalists, which is basically what Twitter is you know it's for mm-hmm. journalists and for celebrities. Um, you know I never set it to, to, to build out for for advertisers, which is basically what Facebook has has really become is it's built for advertisers. It's built around advertisers. We're building for people, normal yeah. everyday people who who want to seek out truth, who want to have authentic conversations, build authentic community. Um, so I, I appreciate that. That's 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 who we're building for is guys like us, you know, normal normal everyday people.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's been great, and I I love how Gab's grown. I've, I I see just the site stability and the functionality and everything uh, just go up exponentially over the years. in the community it's become better than it ever has. So right. anybody who's listening to this who's not on Gab already. Join us on Gab. We're having a we're having a riot over here.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a lot of fun. We have, we have a lot of we have a lot in store too. We've spent, you know, this year our, our theme for, for product development was refinement, right? It's like let's get the product, you know, really, really refined. Let's get the experience that people are expecting when they're coming over from a Facebook or coming over from a Twitter or coming over from a Reddit. And I think we've we've really nailed that. Um, and we we have some more work to do, of course. There's always work to, to be done. It's it's never done. Uh, but I think this year, just in the first half of this year, we've we've really made uh, tremendous uh, leaps in terms of usability, in terms of speed, in terms of performance, and in, in terms of the interface. Um, and that 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 uh, the hat goes off to, to our team on that. That's that's all our engineering team behind the scenes, many unsung heroes uh, that aren't uh, public facing that that do a lot of hard work, a lot of a lot of long hours to to make Gab possible for millions of people. And um, you know, now, of course, we have Gab TV coming out, uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, we spent the last week really refining and, and, and nailing that experience. We really wanna ship something that we're, we're proud of and that people are really gonna enjoy. So we're excited to get that out the door. We have um, the Gab Marketplace, which uh, we'll be shipping this fall as well. The video conferencing product that we'll be shipping that we're using, you and I are using right now, That will be shipping this fall so we have we have a lot in store um and and gab is is not just again the the twitter or the social media alternative we're really trying to to build uh, an ecosystem of alternative products to to silicon valley products so um that's that's the mission that's that's what we're that's what we're doing here so i appreciate your kind words
1: that's going to be amazing i can't wait to see what you guys build in the future and what what is launching very soon i'm so hyped for that
0: it's big yeah i think (laughs) i think you're gonna get a lot of use from it uh and a lot of our, our, our our users will a lot of people ask about videos and stuff all the time and i think there's really just a big demand for a really well done uh youtube alternative that um you know works and uh has the experience that you expect coming over from a youtube and um, you know, obviously, doesn't censor things like the frontline doctors video, Shadowgate. I think that's the big push that we're seeing now from big tech is is they're really going after videos. Um, you know, they targeted individuals from 2015 to around 2018. They pretty much purged every major influencer, and now they're targeting specific pieces of content, uh, specific memes, specific videos that they don't want on the platform. So that's why we started, uh, you know, building Gab TV. So. Um, anyway, I appreciate your time. We're, we're at about 45 minutes here, so I'm going to wrap up. Um, any last parting words?
1: No, that's it. They just again, thanks for all you guys do.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and remember to speak freely, folks.